Well, hello and welcome to the Psychedelic Diaries. I am your host, Ray Krishnan. And mm, do we have a show for you today. We will be joined momentarily by Danny Motika of SciGen for a deep dive and a soul search. Today we'll be discussing the experience of ego death, LSD manufacturing, and of course, large doses of magic mushrooms. But first, let's dive in with a nugget and a noodle. And today's news nugget, it appears that Canada has just legalized psychedelics. The news is kind of obscured by its technical explanation, but doctors may now request and potentially receive pharmaceutical-grade psychedelics to treat their patients. It's not commercially legal yet, although tell that to the dispensaries in Vancouver and D.C., but nevertheless, this feels like a game-changing development. And as for the noodle, something I've been noodling on of late, is how to replace the myth that psychedelics are dangerous. Now, Yuval Harari, in his landmark book, Sapiens, explains that myths, a.k.a. concepts that aren't real but we all agree on, like religion, ideologies, currencies, cannot be eliminated. They can only be replaced. Now, nobody has ever died of overdose on magic mushrooms, and as you can see here, you are way less dangerous to yourself on psilocybin than on booze or any other drug. Then again, if you have some mental demons and it's been a while since you've journeyed, it might fucking hurt. In addition, when battling those demons on psychedelics, you'll essentially have the resilience skill set of a 10-year-old. So yeah, it might not be fun, but it might be exactly the deep cleaning you need. Plus, if you muscle through one to two tough trips, they become very rare. So maybe the new myth could be psychedelics are the only way to get a deep cleaning. And yeah, it might hurt. Some deep cleanings do, but your mind is worth it. Well, that's it for the noodle. Let's dive into our guest interview. He is the CEO of SciGen, perhaps my favorite psychedelics company and a trailblazer in this industry, Danny Motika. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Excellent. Well, let's dive right in. Danny, I got to ask real quick. You are a fan of the game Go. And I'm curious, when DeepMind's AlphaGo, that AI, beat the world champ, how did that affect your view of the game? So that was right when I was getting into Go. Um, I think the first game I played was 2011 or 2012. And AlphaGo, I think it was 2014 when they challenged uh, Lee Sedol to a five-game series. Uh, and of course, you know, the Go world was basically saying, oh, this is impossible. AI can't beat the top professionals until 2035 at the earliest. And, you know, then boom, four games to one, Lisa Dole lost. So I think it really, what it showed me was just more how ingenious the human mind is and how we can come together and solve incredibly complex problems. And that if we can only trust AI instead of, you know, fearing it and kind of <laughs> going into this belief that it's going to try and somehow solve the problems of the world by eliminating humanity, um, I think that AI has a lot to offer the world. Yeah, well put. I agree. I used to be a little bit fearful of the Terminator 2 Judgment Day AI. And now I'm starting to think that to get true intelligence or to surpass humans, it's going to need emotional intelligence. And if it has emotional intelligence, it will probably appreciate our subjective experience. So curious to see how that plays out. Switching gears a little bit, Danny, to... SciGen. So I love this new website, the little crystallizing experience, that visual and the header. Uh, your team, of course, your niche as a manufacturer in psychedelics. 
as SciGen and the broader industry have evolved, what has surprised you? I think the thing that has surprised me the Go most about this industry is the lack of manufacturers. There have been so many companies diving into drug development, building clinics, you know, net, clinical networks, training therapists, and basically, you know, adding all of this support infrastructure to uh, what, from my perspective, looks to be not required for five plus years out. I mean, certainly you need clinics in order uh. to conduct clinical research, but um, this is a very long burn to get these products approved for market. And so the idea that you're going to need, you know, clinic networks across the globe in 2022 is, is a little bit absurd. That has been surprising to me. And the fact that no one else seems to be jumping on this supply chain issue where, you know, the fundamental question of where are all these companies going to buy their drugs from? No one else seems to be answering that. So that, that is also a bit surprising. Like to date, there are not really any copycat stories out there to SciGen. Companies are interested in psilocybin mushrooms, growing, extracting, purifying, but no one is kind of coming out as a broad scale expert in synthetic manufacture of psychedelics. Yes, uh, it's well put. And that's why when I first saw you guys, probably around a year ago, I was like, yes, these guys, this is the strategy here. And to go at the ground source, and if you're controlling the substance, you can decide where you end up. Do you send it to the clinics? Do you go to mental health practitioners? Do you go direct to consumer? And then I met the two of you guys, uh, Peter as well, your chief science officer. I was like, these guys. That's how you guys quickly became perhaps my favorite. Uh, switching gears a little bit to, to personal experiences, Danny, my discovery of what magic mushrooms can do for cognition, creativity, and purpose has changed the trajectory of my life six years ago. And I'm curious for you, what has been your journey with psychedelics? Yeah, I mean, it's, so it started and I, you know, I've said this before, so I'll try and keep it brief. Um, my experience started as a teenager. I suffered from severe depression after learning that my father was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. Um, really didn't know how to deal with that as a 13 year old, you know, dealing with the reality that everyone's going to die and you're going to kind of lose your father. Um, so, wow. you know, for me, I was quite depressed. I was looking at different solutions. I didn't really like the outcomes of SSRIs. I didn't want to try that as medicine for myself. And I'd discovered on Airwood this anecdotal evidence that psilocybin mushrooms were just changing people's perspectives and seemed to do a lot for individuals suffering from depression. So that was when I had my first mushroom experience. I was 15 years old and I went to my parents. They actually created a safe place in the basement for uh, me and a couple friends and said, if anything goes wrong, we're upstairs, we're here to help, you know, you'll be safe. And it was that first experience that just, uh, you know, it went from being completely disconnected and uninspired to just in awe of the mysteries and the wonders of the universe and just saw the beauty in myself and in everything else. Um, and that just kind of, you know, turned me on, so to speak. I knew that these were very important medicines and I wanted to do whatever I could to help them become available for other people who were also suffering. Um, it was really LSD though, that wow. it was really LSD though, that inspired me to just dedicate my life to this. You know, mushrooms were profound, they were impactful, but there's something about the magic of LSD that, uh, that really was the, spark of inspiration to take me here. Danny, I really appreciate that. Um, my experience has primarily been on psilocybin on the large doses. 
I actually think LSD is my favorite drug to microdose on because it's like this clean wave of energy throughout the day. And as where psilocybin sometimes is a little bit wavy, a little bit hard to predict. But I haven't done, I think I did 225 mics as my biggest dose of LSD. And you kind of just inspired me. Maybe I need to do a little bit more. Speaking of the big doses, I'm curious about one of your more profound trips. Uh, and I'll share one of mine. I had a powerful mystical experience where essentially I was seeing this light beam come through. And, and when you're on psychedelics, you can kind of soften your gaze. And this little light speck, as I softened my gaze, created this, this visual. And as I kind of went from unfocused to then refocusing on this light speck, it was as if I saw this like entire universe in a single speck of light. And in a way, it has changed my view of space, time, and perspective irrevocably. And you told me once that you've experienced ego death. You experienced death on ketamine. And I'm curious, if you wouldn't mind, please explain what that was like for you. Oh, yeah, that's, that, is a, that opens a whole can of worms because I've experienced, you know, I, you know death, ego death from a number of different angles uh once from attempted suicide which was you know it right before my experience with psilocybin that you know i kind of credit saving my life and the interesting thing that you say is the time that i saw the universe the entire universe as a point of light was actually it when that suicide attempt failed um and maybe we can get into that in more hmm. detail later but you know ketamine lsd i would say i have more experience with ego death but with ketamine, it was quite interesting because it actually, um, as I was, you know, as the experience was coming on quite strongly, I, for some reason, could not stop thinking about Go. And in Go, there's this concept of life and death. You know, you've got these stones on the board, and in order for them to be alive, you need to have two eyes. That's just kind of a tenant in Go. And so as I was kind of coming, as the ketamine was coming on extremely powerfully, for some reason, I had become this Go problem where I was, you know, frantically trying to solve this life and death situation where I was a group of stones that was about to be killed and I knew that I would be gone and I was, you know, just trying to figure out a solution to the problem until finally it just kind of realized like you're dead. There's nothing you can do. You just have to let go. And uh, so when I let go, it was all of a sudden just this, you know, wave of relief and, uh, the interesting thing about ketamine that I find though, relative to other psychedelics and, you know, a reason that I prefer LSD and psilocybin is that I found ketamine very abstract. Once I finally let go and I kind of slipped into the void, there was nothing really concrete that I can place my finger on as to say, this is what I experienced after that point. It was just, you know, kind of nothingness and very abstract images and ideas and stuff that I don't any longer have a grasp on, but then as you come down and as I came out of that experience, uh, you know, it was just this sense of peace and calmness and, you know, almost like my mind had been defragged, so to speak. <laughs> Danny, I love that explanation. If I may ask, so you said you prefer LSD over magic mushrooms. Why? What's the difference in your experience? In my experience, uh, there, you know, there's a time and a place in my experience with magic mushrooms. It is very much about connecting to myself and it's a feeling of connectedness to those around me and to the earth. And it's very, it's a very grounding experience. I prefer LSD because my experiences are much more 
out there. It's projecting me into the universe and it just feels uh, like I'm a lot more inspired and connected to everything else that exists. Uh, for some reason, when I'm taking psilocybin mushrooms, it's more of an inward journey. And I find that LSD is more projected outward. So, Wow, what a good detailed description. And I'm curious, what, what kind of dose has that been for you? Is it three, 400 mics more? Yeah, the most was about 1.4 to 1.6 milligrams. So like 1,400, 1,600 wow. mics. That was a very yeah okay. profound experience. Did you find that those longer, the, the larger the dose, that the long tail of the landing actually took longer as well? No, I, was it, it the that's same what I find so, so interesting. It was still kind of 12 hours up and down and tired the next day, but still at, very much at baseline the next morning. So, Wow. Okay, you have convinced me. I need to go to one of these bigger, bigger mic trips on LSD. Thank you for that. So, speaking of of some of the the stuff that Psygen uh, is doing, I know LSD is a big focus of yours, probably because of some of those experiences you've had. And I'm curious, as you roadmap for the future, are you guys looking at medical use only, or is there medical and recreational? I think you mentioned once to me this prophylactic use. If let's say Oregon uh, and, and states like Oregon or Canada as well and other countries start replicating that cannabis model of legalization, how do you approach the roadmap and the applications? Yeah, so I guess I feel that you know this path to intentional adult use is almost necessary, and uh, I and I think that Sajan agrees, like, you know, I know Peter agrees. So I think that we can speak for the organization saying that what we want to see is, you know, a future where there is a wellness market and a prophylactic market so that, uh, you know, adults can intentionally use psychedelics for healing and wellness, and they can kind of build a resilient mind to help prevent you from mm. kind of falling into depression or PTSD. Um, you know, there's this interesting hexaflex model of, uh, that I've seen presented at some psychedelic conferences. And essentially, you know, I think the metaphor is this, is that, you know, if the mind is extremely rigid and inflexible, then when you experience a blunt trauma, it will break. But if, and as psychedelics mm. seem to improve flexibility of the mind, if you're hit with that same trauma, it will deform, but it will bend back into place. So it's more, you know, it's more resilient essentially. Um, and so I think that there's this huge opportunity in the psychedelic space to move more towards a prophylactic treatment. Um, you know, I think that necessarily goes through a medical market. I think that we first need to prove safety and efficacy. We need to show that psychedelics can improve outcomes in depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, but as you start to prove those things, the kind of house of cards that the war on drugs is built upon also starts to fall apart because you know, these drugs that supposedly have no medicinal value, now they do have medicinal value. And so, uh, you know, you have to start wondering, like you say, about these myths that we've been led to believe for so many decades, how do we replace those myths? And what does the future look like of drug ideology and education? Wow. Danny, thank you for that explanation. Uh, this idea of the brain that's more bendable, more neuroplastic can handle 
trauma better. It'll bend with it. Kind of like the, the Confucius idea of the tree that bends but doesn't break is a better tree when the river overflows. And uh, what a brilliant discussion Speaking in concept. Speaking of which, um, my last question for you before we jump to the soul search is about Saijan. But I just want to say thank you. As you just articulated so eloquently, you really get these concepts. And you are one of the guys out there that is really blazing the path with concepts like this and then applying these concepts, building out GMP factories and manufacturing facilities. So thank you for being one of those guys. And before we get to the, to what you're excited about with, with SciGen, really quick, you mentioned intentional use, and I'm always curious what that means for people. So what does intentional use of psychedelics mean for you? It means whatever you want to set your intention to. And recreation, I think, is a valid intention. You know, if you want to set your intention to connect better with a group of friends or a group of lovers, that is a valid intention. If you want an intention to be, I'm struggling with this aspect of my personal life and I would like to try and find some insight into how to deal with this better or another perspective, that should be a valid intention. If it's, I've been suffering from depression for the last five years and I would like to set the intention to have a new perspective and come out as a stronger human, that's a great intention. But it's just about, you know, going into an experience with an out, with a desired outcome in mind and really setting that as what you want to get out of an experience. Well put. I appreciate that. Okay, so last little question before we jump to the soul search. Danny, you've got this state-of-the-art manufacturing facility. You've been working closely with Health Canada on getting the dealer's license. And you've got a corporate roadmap that's highly intriguing, one of my favorite teams as well. As the tip of the spear, as the boss at SideGym, what's coming up for you that's got you excited? You know, I think the thing that excites me the most is kind of evolving the business. Our core focus has always been on manufacturing. So, uh, you know, finding some strategic partnerships, trying to find other groups that are aligned to help move the needle on, uh, you know, prophylactic medicine is very exciting spinning up a services division because eventually there's going to be more demand in the market for drugs outside of the classical psychedelics. So, you know, trying to offer contract synthesis work or development services is quite exciting. Um, but I think the thing that excites me the most is just, you know, working with other values aligned organizations to help create this industry that we believe will improve outcomes for mental health. Ah, that's well put. And, I love this phrasing, this prophylactic use. You're the first person I've heard talk about that, and it's a good way to build a connotation that acknowledges, yes, mental health is is a great place to work for, for psychedelics. It's a good triage. It's a nice place to kind of get the Trojan horse so people accept, no, this has actual use and can be a medicine. But the fact that you guys are talking about the broader public and uh, a bigger population, quite frankly, because more people do not deal with mental illness than do, I think is is great. And I think we need more people like you. So thank you for that. we got to transition now to the Soul Search speed round. So Danny, the idea is 10 seconds or less on the response. A little bit of a window into the soul of Danny Motika. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Question number one. Danny who is the one person that has had the greatest impact on your career? The one person that has had the greatest impact on my career is Rick Doblin. I like that. Okay, question number two. Danny, you are on a desert island and you only have one mind-altering substance that you can get for a 10-year period, and it's just you there. 
What is the substance that you would bring with you? A gram of LSD. <laughs> <laughs> and it packs light, too. I appreciate that. Okay, Danny, question number three. Who is one famous person that you'd like to trip with? Wow, that is such a hard question to answer. You know, in some ways it's Alex Ebert because I just find his music so ingenious. I'm super curious about that guy. Huh. You know what? He's got a quote in one of his songs that has really stuck with me, which is he says that all my enemies turned into my greatest teachers. So I appreciate that answer. Okay, question number four, Danny. Final question. You walk around the block. You are parched. You want to wet your beak and get a drink. You pull up a chair at a bar, and there sitting next to you is God. And he says, hey, Danny, dude, big fan of your work. I got to run. I got this date with a goddess down the street. But I have time for one question. What is the one question that you would ask God? How much do you weigh? Which is a bit of an inside <laughs> joke. And I'll send you a T-shirt. <laughs> okay. I appreciate that. That is a good one. Yeah, that's a... All right, that might be my, my most noodle-scratching response that I've heard on that one. I like that a lot. Uh, okay, Danny, last little question uh, for a little plug. Where can the viewers find you? Any action items for them? Yeah, take a look at sidegen.ca. That's our website. Um, you know, we don't have any events planned immediately, but uh, we really do hope to be participating in the MAPS 2023 conference in Denver next year. So, um, you know, keep an eye out there, and hopefully this pandemic has ended by then. Wonderful. Okay, Danny, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for joining the show, and hopefully we'll get you back on the show sometime soon. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. Okay, well, that's all the time we have for today's episode of the Psychedelic Diaries. I am your host, Ray Christian. See you next time. Radioactive.